0: Evening and welcome to Relationship Game Changers. We welcome you on behalf of Amy Brunell, myself, Kim Moore, all the prayer leaders, and most importantly, Jesus Christ. We welcome you. We thank you so much for choosing us and for giving your life for us that we might experience the life of your Father and your life. We bless you. And so, tonight, guys, I want to continue talking about god's next big move and i know a lot of people aren't talking about this and i might uh you know just sound crazy because i don't hear this word but i'm going to continue to speak it because i believe god spoke it to me but first if this is your first time on relationship game changers we talk about truths that transcend gender race education economics political affiliation denominations, our positions our titles uh, all of those things that seek to steal, kill, and destroy that are used that way. They're not necessarily bad of themselves, but they're used to divide the people of God. And God is gathering his people in this hour. And also, I just want to say happy, happy birthday to Patsy. Patsy is one of the women that come on before the call and uh, has been so faithful over the past several years Um always there, always ready, and I had the opportunity to be in Arizona with her and her husband, Shannon, and I tell you, it was amazing. Got to see some other friends there as well, Um, but it was just exciting. I, I tell you, Patsy and I were chronicling what happened there, and I'll share bits and pieces but this time would not do that justice, the download, the confirmations, the unsolicited confirmations, one after the other. And so, I don't know, maybe we'll have a time where we'll share that, Um, but we're just going to thank you, Patsy, right now for opening your home, your heart, and just being so faithful as a friend, as a supporter. We bless you, we bless you, we bless you privately, and we bless you publicly In Jesus' name. Mm, mm, mm. Well, guys, I've been talking about God's next big move, and I'm saying that his next big move will begin from below. It will begin from within. That is the spirit of God coming up through the souls and soil uh, of men and women. You know, we've experienced the outpouring of God's spirit on all flesh, and I believe we will again. When I uh, saw uh, in Acts 2, it says that they were all gathered in one place, and, the, and, and, and we know that as Pentecost, and God poured out his spirit. They were, uh, I'm not sure, the Bible's not clear, at least from what I can see, what they were doing, perhaps praying, perhaps fasting, perhaps just waiting for and talking about the things that had already taken place. Um, but they were present to receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and we can do that and receive that today and every day and continuously, but I believe that the next big move is coming up uh, from the souls of men, through the souls of men, and the body of Christ will have to pivot in order for this to happen. And so the question becomes, how porous and permeable is your soul? We'll get back to that. But for those that haven't been with us, I just want to lay a foundation for why I believe the next big move is coming up through the souls, the soil of men. And so I'm going to read some scriptures tonight, and at the end I want to have some conversation and hear what you're thinking, you're saying. I'm not interested, you know, I've never been interested in a fan club. I'm not interested in – You know, whether we all agree, I'm interested in conversation. Conversation facilitates change. It's one of the things that facilitates change. Conversation, commitment, uh, they facilitate change. So we have to have more conversation. Uh, So I'm not concerned uh, whether all agree or will not agree. What I believe and hope is that as we talk, as we share, as I share what God has given me and and you, some of you may respond to it, um, that in it God would make Himself known, and that we would have ears to hear, in Jesus' name. Well, let me give you some scriptures uh, as the foundation of why I'm saying what I'm saying. Genesis 7:11. Well, first of all, first of all, Genesis 1, and I'm not going to go back there, but you'll recall that God separated, uh, created a space. Uh, between the heavens and the earth, uh, I'm sorry. Between the waters in the heavens and the waters in the earth, you can go back to Genesis one. He separated the waters from above from the waters below, and 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 in Genesis seven eleven it says in the six hundred year of Noah's life in the seventeenth day of the second month. That same day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and burst forth, and the windows and floodgates of the heavens were opened. Notice the order. The water came up and burst forth, and then the windows and the floodgates of heaven were opened. Now, Genesis 7:11 uh, is very specific. It's very specific in terms of year, how old Noah was, the, the seventh day of the second month. It is extremely detailed, even down to the order or the beginning of where the flood started. Many of us are looking for revival and that God would just flood this nation and flood our families and our marriages With his water, and I want to suggest to you that we have an order here that it must first break forth and burst forth through our souls, and then the floodgates of heaven open, so the waters above and the waters below connect, and then we get the flood that we know so well. Then in Ezekiel 47, uh, 1 through 12, and I'm not going to read it because I've, I've we did it once before. I encourage you to read it. But Ezekiel had a vision, and in this vision, water was coming up through the temple. Now, you and I both know that he was speaking, uh, well, he was, uh, that the temple in the Old Testament was a physical thing, but the Bible says we are the temple of God in the New Testament. And Ezekiel sees water coming up from the temple, and it went past his ankles, his knees, his waist, and it got to the point where he couldn't swim in it. So at some point, the water was over his head. And that water that was over his head started from beneath the temple, from beneath us, inside of the temple. Verse 12 says this, And on the banks of the river, on both its sides, there shall grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves shall not fade, nor shall their fruit fail to meet the demand. Each tree shall bring forth new fruit, Every month these supernatural qualities being the, the, the fruit of it because there this is the reason because their waters came from out of the sanctuary notice that the, the position the waters didn't come on the sanctuary the waters came from the sanctuary so what perpetuates um, and what so what promotes the sustainability of a thing? When the waters come from in. So if we look at a plant, the fruit is not what sustains the plant. The root is what sustains the plant. It's not the water that comes on the plant to water it. It's the water that gets down and comes up through the root system that sustains the plant. Please understand and hear what the Spirit of God is saying. We have spoken about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We've spoken about revival. I'm taking you back to Genesis, and I'm showing you that the order, the water comes up. Ezekiel, the water comes up. Many of us are believing God for for many wonderful things. We're looking to God. You know, we're believing for revival. We're believing for, you know, our circumstances to change, our relationships to change. And my Bible says right here in Ezekiel that we're supposed, to grow all kinds of trees, that the body of Christ is to grow all kinds of trees. Their leaf shall not fade, nor shall their fruit fail to meet the demand. So even when there is a Perceived water shortage in Lake Mead, which is up near the Hoover Dam. Please understand, God has aquifers so far deep within the earth, we will never run out of water until God has his final curtain call down here on earth. And then for those that are eternally with him, water will continue. There's no drought in the kingdom of God. The problem is we are seeking water outside versus the water on the inside. We're supposed to be fruitful. And by fruitful, I don't simply mean prosperous or wealthy. Some will, but not all will. But what I do know is that we collectively and individually should be producing fruit whose leaf will, uh, I'm sorry, we will be producing trees for food and that our leaf shall not wither and that we should bring forth new fruit every month. Now, how many of us are bringing forth new fruit every month? Just something to make you think. And why were they able to do it? Because the waters came up from the sanctuary, and their food, their fruit shall be for food and their leaves for healing. Let me just suggest this to you. And I, I believe that God is going to bring us into a new place and a new time of healing. But I also believe it won't be so much of the laying on of hands. That will happen. But what my Bible says here is that their fruit shall be for food and their leaves for healing. That is, the water that comes up through our soil, our soul, will be for food and it will be for healing. So when people come into relationship with us, they should be able to eat and they should be able to heal. Not because we have this grand ministry or celebrity. People should be around you and should say, gosh, what just happened? That is just incredible. Let's move on. 2 Peter 3, 5 through 6. For they willfully, talking to the people of God, they willfully overlook and forget this fact that the heavens came into existence long ago by the word of God, and the earth also was formed out of water and by means of water through which the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. So the world was framed by the word of God. The earth was formed out of the water, and that same water that came up from the earth and down from heaven is responsible for the flood that we read about uh, in Genesis with Noah. John 4.13, Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will be in them a spring of water, or a a spring of water welling up or springing up to eternal life. Again, notice the position of the water. This is not the Holy Spirit being outpoured. It is Jesus taking up residence, the rock taking up residence, and and, and he becomes an aquifer or a water source or the source of the Spirit that springs up into eternal life. Oh, my gosh. Springs up to eternal life. Isaiah 12, 3. Therefore, you with joy... You will draw water from the wells of salvation. In order to draw water from something, the drawing is to pull it out of. It's to pull it out. If I draw water from a well, I'm pulling it out. And so again, notice the position, notice what we're doing. We're drawing from wells, we're drawing from the wells of salvation. Isn't it interesting? It says the wells of salvation. So, could there be more than one well of salvation? Oh, Jesus is the redeemer. He is. But truth, there are many truths in the Bible. So, when it says the wells of salvation, plural, we have to ask God, what are you talking about? Because we te- typically speak of salvation as one and done. It's just, but here. The prophet is speaking of the wells, meaning they're more than one, of salvation. Mm, that's a deep dive. That would be interesting. I, I haven't taken that deep dive, but if some of you do and can help us understand what the wells of salvation are, that would be an interesting study because they're more than one. And wells are containers. They hold water. So in mes- the message version Of Isaiah 12, 3 says this, joyfully you will pull up buckets of water from the wells of salvation. And as you do it, you'll say, give thanks to God, call out his name, ask him anything, shout to the nations, tell them what he's done, spread the news of his great reputation. Oh, my gosh. So when we pull this uh, buckets of water up, when we are... Feeding and drinking on the water and the rock that is Christ. The Bible says, as we do it, we'll give thanks. And then we can ask him anything. Wow. Shout to the nations. Tell him what he's done. Spread the news of his great reputation. Now I want to talk a little bit about the Feast of Tabernacles. Still talking about the water. Again, I'm talking about why I believe that the next big move of God will begin within the souls of men and come through the soil or the souls of men, and the water within them will spring up, meeting the waters outside of them, and will create a deluge in the earth, and we call that the great harvest. So let me talk about the Feast of Tabernacles for a second and the relationship to what I'm talking about. Again, guys, go back and look at these scriptures. Please ask God, and he will confirm his own word. What I'm doing is showing you what I believe by the scripture so that even if you disagree with me, go back and read the scripture for yourself and see whether this is even possible. Because if it's possible, then it's probable given where we are in the earth today, and as many say and believe, we're in the last days. So the Feast of Tabernacles is also called the Feast of Shelters, the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Ingathering, and the second. I, let me be clear for the record, I am not an expert on the Feast of Tabernacles. I'm just going to share a few things that I've gleaned from it but there are those that have studied it well beyond and deeper than I have. So I'm just going to share the little bit that I understand from what the Lord is showing me. So a few things. The the, the Feast of Tabernacles is the last of seven feasts. Pay attention, guys. The Feast of Tabernacles is the last of the seven feasts. It is the third feast of the pilgrimage feast. So you had... Passover, Pentecost, and the shelters. Again, why I'm saying that God is coming up through the temple, up through the soul and the the soil of men is because we've had the Passover, we've had the Pentecost, and now the Feast of, of, of Shelters, and the shelters were about the habitation of God. In the Old Testament, we had the physical habitation, the temple that Solomon built, but in the New Testament we have Jesus who is the shelter of man not only are we in him but the Bible also says that he is in us and so we shelter in him. It also this this feast features water, light and sacrifice. There's that word again, water. It symbolizes 40 years in the wilderness. And as I said, it indicates that the Feast of Tabernacles is about the dual residence, God in us and us in God through Jesus Christ. It is also the transition from an outward relationship with God to an inward relationship with God. And then lastly, it symbolizes harvest time. Fruits and vegetables, it's the harvest of soul. Why is all of this relevant? It's relevant because we're talking about this great harvest. It's relevant because we're talking about revival. It's relevant because it's the last of the seven feasts. We're, we're talking about it. It's relevant because it's the third of the pilgrimage feast. It's the third of the journey of the people of God then and now we've experienced the Passover in so much as we've experienced and we've received Jesus Christ. He said, as to many as received them, he gave the authority to become the sons of God. We've experienced Pentecost, the pouring out of his spirit. Many of us have been baptized in his Holy Spirit. We speak with other tongues. And now it's time to move on to the Feast of Shelters. How do we know When a season or a move of God has come to an end, and another one, we're at the beginning of another one. I would dare to tell you that the move of God from the last season, that is the Pentecost, that is the pouring out of the spirit, it doesn't mean it will end. God is still saving people. God is still pouring out his spirit. But we're in a new move of God. We've had the outpouring, and now the Feast of Shelters is about the in-pouring or the uppouring or the water coming up versus coming down. It's relevant because it symbolizes the end of 40. It's a celebration of the 40 years in the wilderness. So that 40 years represents an ending and a beginning in the Canaan. Oh, my gosh, may the Spirit of God open your eyes and uncover your ears to what he's revealing here. Because many of us have been struggling. We've been praying. And we've been looking. And I'm telling you, when you add the, the last feast, the seventh feast, and the third feast, you have the number 10. Seven represents the perfection of God, completion. Three represents the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And number 10 represents a time of conclusion, a, an ending of a testing, either to failure or to victory. And I'm suggesting to you the Feast of Tabernacles is suggestive of God moving on because together they represent completion of a thing. Now, there will always be people that will stay at the Passover teaching redemption, teaching, you know, you need to be saved. And then through Jesus Christ. There will always be people that are still in the Pentecost, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. We'll always have that. Why? Because it's needful, because there are people that haven't come into the kingdom yet. So we need the ministers of, of, if I could say it this way, salvation and being saved from eternal judgment. Remember I told you, I told you that that um, that that justification or the Passover, justification, is about us being freed from the eternal judgment or eternal separation from God. And then we have um, sanctification, and the sanctification is, is about becoming free from the power of sin in this life, hence we have the Holy Spirit. Wait till you receive power, and then you'll be able to witness or you'll be able to experience this changed life. And now we're talking about the Feast of Shelter. So I would suggest to for your prayerful consideration, we are moving beyond. See, oh, my gosh. Oh, oh. The Passover was about Jesus. The Holy Spirit was about Pentecost. Shelters is about the Father. Are you seeing this? It is time to move, people of God. So there's a dual there's a dual significance to the feast of pass passover the first one was agriculture it was the harvest it was The the plenty. I mean, they could eat anything they want. As far as I know, there were no restrictions on what they could eat. It was a time of celebration. They ate. It will be equivalent to our Thanksgiving that we're about to celebrate. Maybe understanding this word, you'll celebrate Thanksgiving a little bit differently this year. Because for the Israelites, then it symbolized their Thanksgiving. It was the conclusion of a harvest and the bounty they were giving God for. They partook of the harvest. They Eight, they celebrated it was a joyous festival um it lasted seven days are you looking at the numbers it lasted seven days and it, it it was a celebration of the completion of an agricultural year we just celebrated the jewish new year and it ends with the feast of tabernacles <laughs> the, and the second part of the um The second part of the tabernacle, um, I said it had a dual significance. The second part of that significance was the requirement that the people leave their homes and dwell in a temporary shelter, um, symbolizing what they did in the wilderness. And so those were the, the, the reasons that the Israelites would celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. A significant part of the feast is water. And so, what would happen? And go back and Google, read this, read your Bible, Google this, check it out. But the priest would draw water from the pool of Siloam and carried it to the temple, where it was poured out into a silver basin beside the altar. And then the Lord, then the priest would call upon upon God to provide heavenly water in the form of rain for their supply. And so during this ceremony, people were looking forward and actually experiencing or at least um, foretelling the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So they took water from a pool, they drew out water from one pool and poured it into another, and it was to symbolize the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But notice they took water up out of one pool uh, in a container and poured it Uh, into another, uh, into a silver basin beside the altar. And so um, when we think about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, we know Joel, you know, in the last day, God will pour out his spirit, right? So now let's tie that to the New Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus attended the Feast of Tabernacles. Oh, my gosh, it gets better, guys. He attended the Feast of the Tabernacle. And he attended it on the last day he stood up and spoke. So seven days, on the seventh day, he stood up and spoke. Now understand the significance of him standing up and speaking on the seventh day. They were full. They had been eating and drinking all week for seven days. Think about you and I on Thanksgiving. Many of us will celebrate Thanksgiving and Hopefully, you know, I hope and pray that I tighten my belt (laughs) so so much food doesn't go in there. But I remember the days where I just gorged myself at Thanksgiving and, and eating and drinking and all those kinds, and I was full. And afterwards, you know, the last thing you want after gorging yourself on Thanksgiving, you don't want to see food and you don't want to see anything to drink after that for some time. Some of you guys can relate to that. So it's significant what Jesus said on the last day when they were full of food and drink. So here's what he says. On the last day, John 7:37 and 38, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Not on the outside of them, not an outpouring. So why would Jesus say this to people that were full of food and drink unless he was talking about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit feeding our soul and nourishing our souls? Let's think about that for a moment. That would be like like I said, you or I gorge ourselves on Thanksgiving and, and and you know, we go home and open the, you know, refrigerator. Last thing we want is food or drink. We just want to go rest somewhere. And Jesus has the audacity to say to people that are full and not thirsty. Let me read it to you in this version. It says, on the final and climactic day of the feast, Jesus took his stand. So Jesus was establishing a position, a new position. Remember, he honored the old. He fulfilled the law. He honored the old, but now he was pivoting. The church has not pivoted yet. The church has not pivoted from Pentecost to shelters. Jesus took his stand. He pivoted. He was making a new declaration, a new position. He cried out. He didn't whisper, he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Rivers of living water will brim and spill out of the depths of anyone who believes in me in this way, just as the scripture says. He says this in regard to the spirit whom those who believed in him were about to receive. The spirit had not been given yet because Jesus had not been glorified. So, again, I want to suggest to you that the next big move of God will start from within those souls that have been sanctified, that is, set apart, cleansed, and made holy, fit for a very special use and assignments. That's in 2 Timothy 2.20. I, I read that to you, I believe. Let me find it real quick because I want you to be able to go back to these scriptures and not just believe me. Tonight, if you receive the word that I am sharing with you, you will be in the know. God will have revealed to you what he's about to do so that you and I can pivot and begin to enter the process of sanctification like we've never entered it before. And so in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 2. oh, let me just go on. Oh, let me just uh, read a little bit more than two. Okay, so here we go. 2 Timothy 2, it says, verse 20, now in a large house, speaking about the body of Christ, speaking about the house of the Father, remember the feast of shelters is about the Father the fathers habitation the feast of um, pentecost was about the holy spirit and the passover was about jesus he said it again the passover was about jesus you can see it in the old testament when they put the blood on their doors and 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 the firstborn of the israelites were saved symbolic of jesus the blood of jesus Pentecost was about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, God pouring out his Spirit upon all flesh, and the Feast of Shelters is about the Father's habitation in us and our habitation in the Father. Son, Holy Spirit, Father, the last shall be first. Oh, my gosh. We are in a season of the Father. Father. The season where the father wants to make his abode in his people. And Second 2 Timothy 2.20 says this, now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay. Some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a Special instrument set apart, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. He's talking about sanctification here. I read to you before that sancti- this is the will of God, your sanctification. And so I, I let me just add this in because I think it's just really profound on when I was in Arizona. I was FaceTiming, my granddaughter wanted to FaceTime, and I almost missed it because I thought it was my oldest daughter and I was getting ready to do something, but something told me to pick up the phone, and it was my granddaughter. She's six years old. You guys know that I've told you all the time she speaks, and if she teaches, I'm going to be the first to listen. Here was our conversation. I said, Honor, what are you learning in school? She said, Mimi, I'm learning about the water system. And I said, well, tell me about it, Honor. And she said to me, well, the water comes, the water, there's water, she said, there's water, the water comes up from the ground and fills the clouds, and then the cloud rains. And then when it rains, it floods the earth and feeds everything, and then it goes back up. So I said to this, Honor, where is the water? Is it in the ground or is it in the sky in in the in the sky she said Mimi it's in both places it has to be in both places and I was like wow now that my my granddaughter had no idea what I'm teaching on. that was on November 5th that is the grace of God confirming what I'm telling you OmG so now let me read. First Corinthians 10, four. Ten, 1 Corinthians 10.4, 10.1-4, it says this. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about the body of Christ right now for a few minutes, just for a few minutes. And then I want to end with two questions, and I want some folks to jump in. And so I'm going to try to get this done really quick. Let me just talk about the body of Christ. couple things. One, much of the body, there's a sector of the body of Christ that's still living in Pentecost still living according to justification still and again these things won't stop but when god moves on remember we must move on and whenever god is going to do something new he raises up someone new so the old vessel can't bring forth new but we need new wine skins to bring forth new wine so god has pivoted the question is is the body of Christ pivoting, or are we still saying the old is better? It's not either or, it's both. It's not the outpouring or the uppouring, it's both. As my granddaughter said, the water is above and the water is beneath. 1 Corinthians 10, one through 4 says this, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So they were dipped into something. Now, so that's, that's externally. They were put in something. They all ate. Now they're ingesting something. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. So despite being in the water, despite the water being in them, God was not happy. Why? It says, Oh my gosh, I, I left off part. Let me just read let me just read it because I want you to get it all. First Corinthians. Okay, let me read verse, not pleased oh, nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them since they were struck down in the wilderness. Now, these things took place as examples for us so that we will not desire evil things as they did. Don't become idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. The problem wasn't that they weren't eating the Word of God. The problem wasn't that they weren't declaring the Word of God. The problem wasn't that they, that they weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. That was not the problem. The problem was they were getting up and living a lascivious or an immoral lifestyle just uh, despite having the Word of God. Jeremiah 2.13 says this, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and cut out for themselves cisterns or wells or broken wells that can hold no water. So, I told you a couple weeks ago that there is a lot of groundwater or surface water in the body of Christ. Light, show, camera, action. And a good question for us to consider is what does that surface water? What does that superficiality, what does that groundwater look like? That's for each of us to answer. So when we think about the the body of Christ today, we think about a body of Christ that God is transitioning. We've been talking about this. And here is what it looks like. We've been talking about the new. We've been talking about it's not going to look the same. Of course it's not. Because Pentecost, the pouring out, and the, the, the gathering together at Pentecost looks different than the shelter. Shelters look different. Your shelter and my shelter. Our bodies look different. Our races are different. But it should be the self-same spirit that's coming up through each of us. The body of Christ is it's is, is dry. We're saying the right things. We're doing many of the right things. But the living water, we're devoid of the living water. We're not, we're, we, we have it, but we're not responding to it in the way that God would have us to respond. So let me talk about two things or two questions that you and I will need to answer and every church will need to answer is, How porous and how permeable is your soul? I'm going to help you with that. When we talk about a soul or a soil being porous, it's talking about the amount of empty space within the material to be able to, they call them pores, and as a result, the pores tell us the capacity of that soul or soil to be able to hold water. It talks about the capacity, the holes, the pores are the capacity to hold water. Now, if you had a zit on your face or in your pores, we get a zit, then we're talking about the capacity of that pore to to hold just waste or a, a blackhead or a whitehead, so it works either way. Your pores can hold good stuff or bad stuff, but it's the amount of empty space within your soul or your soil and what is that space holding and then permeable is the measure or the ease in which god's spirit or a fluid can move through a soil or your soul so it's the ease in which god can get truth to you it's the ease in which you'll receive new truth it's the space that you have available remember Jesus said, many will say the old is better. That's why it's so important to me that you see what I'm talking about from a scriptural perspective. We're in the last days. If we want to talk about three days, there was, the day of, there was the day of Jesus, salvation, redemption. There's the day of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, the pouring out. And there's the day of the Father, the, the shelter, our dwelling place. And so how, and God wants to dwell in our soul. Yes, we receive him. Our spirits have been recreated. And God, the Holy Spirit, inhabits our spirit. And now the Holy Spirit wants us to draw or pull up through the well, which is our soul, the living water, so that we think different, we feel different, and we interact with each other different. The problem is we are not Thinking different, not acting different, and our relationships are proof. The condition of marriages is proof. The condition of sexual immorality in the church is proof. The the evidence of greed in the church is proof. So it's not how much word we know. It's not how many scriptures we can declare. It's not simply the faith you have because Peter talks about adding to our faith. And there's some key things that God wants us to add to our faith, and they revolve around sanctification. That's another message. So let me close with this little testimony, because I believe that God always confirms his word with signs following. And I don't really know if it's a testimony so much as it is, as it is an indictment against the body of Christ. So when I was in Arizona, we went to a church. I first went to this church, it was a women's study, and I was with Patsy, and when we walked in, I think there was someone that knew Patsy and said hi, said hi to me, Um, and then she showed us or told us where the meeting room was, because they had changed location. When I got to that meeting room, it was, I don't know, maybe 10, 15, maybe more women in the room. I kid you not, and Pacty can verify every single thing I'm about to tell you. But first of all, let me tell you about this church. Well, I'll do that when I get to the service. I went into this room. No one spoke to me. No one spoke to me. No one asked me my name. Nobody asked me where I was from. Nobody was interested in making contact with me. Now, please understand, and those of you who know me, I don't say this from a racial standpoint of view, but I say this so you'll get the picture. I was the only black person in the room. No one spoke to me. No one made me feel welcome. Matter of fact, the only time people started speaking to me is when I offered a testimony in response to something, a question that was being asked. And then now everybody wanted to talk to me in the session. But when it was over, nobody spoke to me. Because that was on Wednesday. On Sunday, Patsy and I went back to this church to service. Now, to appreciate this service, I'm just going to share with you, because it's just, it's profound to me, because I don't think it is, this church is the exception. And so I want to be very clear about what happened. So, here we go. I'm, I'm only going here because I want to be able to say exactly what I saw and not add anything to it. So, we went into this church on Sunday and there were greeters at the – well, first of all, let me tell you about the church. The church is state of the art, fairly large church. Their sound and audio visual system was like par excellence. I mean, the sanctuary almost looked brand new, nice chairs, cush- you know, just, it's really nice. It was laid out. Consider a modern church and, you know, the clean lines, the wood and, and the, the how they're using materials now, all that was there, the lighting, all of that stuff was in place, um, the mics, um, just the state-of-the-art stat- sound system. And this is important that I'm telling you this because this church is not the exception. And so, so what else did they have? Let me just see because I'm going to make sure I don't miss anything because it's real important. So here we go. It's a spirit-filled church. It was a non-denominational church. It had a prophetic school of ministry. They had three church services Saturday evening, Sunday 9 a.m., and, and another one at 11 a.m. I went to, and Patty and I went to the 11 a.m., and so that was the main service. Um it, it was beautiful in every way. There were a lot of places where people could sit and have conversations. Um, they had coffee and things that you could buy. They had food, all of the things that would welcome people to fellowship. So upon entering the door, the greeters greeted me and handed me a program. Patsy and I found our own seats, which is okay. I'm not having a problem with that. It's great. We joined in the singing. The songs were about God. They were not necessarily to God. And after the song set, finished, the, the audience applauded as if we were at a conference concert. Then the pastor stood up and he welcomed all of us and asked that first-time visitors raise their hand. So I raised my hand. I was going to put it down and Patsy forced it back up again. So I raised my hand with some help. And he acknowledged all of us that that raised our hand, and then he told us that we could pick up, that they prepared a special meal for us, and that we could pick it up uh, along with more information about the church. To this day, I didn't know. He told us where to go, but by the time service was over, I didn't remember, and there was no one there to help me or see if I even wanted to go to that place. He gave uh, um. And after this, the pastor announced, uh, af- after he did all of that, after he told us where we could go, he announced that we were going to have a two-minute meet and greet break. And so that was a time where everybody would get up and say hi to people and introduce themselves. And there were several hundred people, a few hundred people in the church at this point. Now, the visitors just raised their hand. Again, Patsy can verify what I'm saying. No one. No one came over to say hi, to introduce themselves, to ask me my name, where I'm, no one. Matter of fact, I ended up standing up, turning around, and 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 acknowledging or saying hello to the people who were behind me, who remained seated. Patsy can see all of this. So it's just just amazing. So there's been no contact except for the people that greeted me. And so now let's think about this. As I said, this church was an exception. So let's just evaluate my experience based on two measures. Was it porous and was it permeable? So in order for it to be porous, there had to be empty space in order for the spirit to flow. There had to be availability in the souls of the people that were there to hold the living water so that it could be released. So the capacity of that body of believers was low. It wasn't porous. If they were holding water, it was not apparent. If they were holding the joy of the Lord, it was not apparent. If they were holding the love of God, it was not apparent. If they were holding the peace of God, it was not apparent. If they were holding the patience of God, the grace of God, it was not apparent. These things are the fruits of the spirit, meaning they needed to be digested and internalized. So they were not porous. The second, as I told you, permeable means it's a measure with, with the ease to which a fluid can can flow through the spaces. Now, a material is, highly, is considered highly permeable if the spaces are well connected. That means the spaces had to be close together. They had to experience some level of connection, some level, if I could use the word, intimacy or relationship to permit for the water to flow through freely and strenuously. So based on that, low porous, That is, we don't know what space they held. I'm not saying it wasn't there. I'm saying they weren't permeable, that they weren't well connected with each other. Therefore, how could they connect with me? The Spirit of God couldn't flow through them. So even though we had this state-of-the-art church, even though we had a prophetic school, even though there were opportunities for the prophetic ministry in the service, even though We had all of the spaces where people could sit and talk. We even had food to make people feel comfortable. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. And I'm suggesting to you that the challenges God has moved on from Pentecost to tabernacling with his people to finding shelter those souls that will receive the truth even when it cauterizes their own ego. They will overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and because they love God more than they love their own souls. The Bible says, see who seeks to save his own soul will lose it. But he who is willing to lose his soul for my sake will find it. Jesus says, if any man will follow me, he must first deny himself. So, Following him, the first experience you and I are going to have is we'll be saying no to ourselves. That is different than coming up with a list of do not, cannot, will not, should not. It is Jesus saying your decision to follow me has already meant that you can no longer follow something else. And every time we decide to follow Jesus in an area, we are saying no to our own self and our own lives. For me to go to Arizona, please understand, I've never done anything like that in my life. When God said, I want you to go back to Arizona, I'm like, for what? I knew people there. I did and even had an idea. Okay, you want me to go see these people? But he didn't say that to me. He said, I want you to go back to Arizona. It's like, okay. And then I had the problem Well, God, how am I going to go? Where's the money to go? And I, I had that, you know, had that complaint with them for a few few days, maybe even a couple weeks. i look at airfare and I was like, "Look, well, God, I don't have the airfare for that. Lo and behold, one day I was complaining, looked in my account, and there was money a few dollars short of the airfare that would cost me to go to Arizona. And then I was like, okay, God, well, where am I going to stay? This is all before it all manifested. Patsy's like, well, you can stay here. So now I had a ticket, I had a place, and no assignment. I've never done that. Amy does stuff like that. But I've never done that. So I went to Arizona, and like I said, we don't have the time to tell you what happened in Arizona. I share with you about my granddaughter. I share with you about my church experience. Why did I share that church experience? Because God has pivoted. My question to you is, have you? Are you porous and are you permeable? Do you have enough empty space in you to hold the living water, the fruits of the spirit, as defined in Galatians five twenty two and 23? Are you permeable? How easy can the spirit of truth get to your soul? Do you reject truth? Do you deny truth? Are you so beholden to a truth that, that, that that's true, but God is moving you on to a deeper truth, but you like the old truth better? How's that working for you? Because what's about to happen and what has been happening, and I would dare say, and I I, I say this cautiously, we, there's still time because all the votes have not been tabulated, but we have not seen the crest of the red red wave that we have been prophesying. i just leave it there. But we're prophesying, we're doing all that we should be doing. And I'm telling you, God has moved on from Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and now Jesus brings us into a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the possibility of that, and the Holy Spirit brings us into the tabernacle of God. I'm going to stop right there. I could go on. I pray that God will just take you back through these scriptures. I'm telling you, it's Thanksgiving. I pray your Thanksgiving be astoundingly different that you too will pivot and move on from Pentecost, move on from the gifts of Spirit. We've worked them. We've used them. It's been phenomenal. We have them. We can carry them with us into the shelter. But what's going to be required of you to shelter with God is not the same as it's required of you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. They received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit because they were in one place. They were gathered. My guests pray. We can pray fast and all that and and do corporate prayer. In fact, we can do all of that. We should. But the sheltering requires sanctification for he who has sanctified himself, set himself apart, has been purified in the soul that is in the motive. This is what God says in Hebrews 4 that the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a double-edged sword, it pierces the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and distinguishes your thoughts from your motivations. The problem in the body of Christ, we have thoughts and motivations that have never been distinguished from one another. So we say things, and yet our motive is impure. Amy, please rescue
1: me right now because I, I I'm on a roll, so help me please. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's good. It is. It's you know, when it's a new word, there's a lot to be to think about, you know. This there this is a lot to think about, I think, understanding and taking it to God what it really means, this sheltering and what he's doing and the water coming from within. Within each of us, and really how that relates to you know what you've spoken on tonight and even your experience at church, um, you know, just thinking about all all these things. Um, like you said, we have tools from seasons past, and this is a new a new season you're speaking of, a new a new season. And while, like you said, obviously we have Holy Spirit and Jesus, and you're talking about um, an indwelling and water, not looking outside of us, but inside to what um, is stirring in our hearts and what water of life is coming forth, pour us into our souls. Um, And what isn't, right? Like, where do we see this happening and where don't we see this happening? And, you know, I I think this is really good and a lot to think about and to pray about and, um, you know, see. See, I I wonder if anyone on the call tonight has a comment or has has been experiencing this um, word as well. So I'd like to open up the line if anyone has any comments or questions. Amy, Um, you
2: know I've got to chime in here. Uh, and Kim is so right there's so much more so much more that happened what she did not tell you is that as disappointing as it was we went and had lunch afterwards and actually met a woman that sat next to us who was from Montana she was in real estate to make a long story short we actually had church right there we must have spoken to her for about an hour hour and a half and it was just, we listened and just let her talk. And, and, and I'm telling you, it was so amazing because I saw things that just took note of how Kim operated and just putting things to work. She listened and she validated the woman, what she had to say, regardless of what she said. But the beautiful thing was, is Kim found an opportunity to share truth to share things very briefly because the woman, and then she even started to tell us about her son and tell us about uh, experience that she said she never shared with anybody else. And in that conversation, Kim went on to tell her, she says, you know, I would never know. I'm paraphrasing. Of course, real estate. Yeah. I, that's something I don't get, you know, I can just imagine, you know, you're in real estate, you know, and that's, you know, I don't know that system. And she interjected, she said, you know, everything is um, operates by a system. And ever so briefly, Kim interjected things about the system that she's even taught us on this call. I literally saw, we saw her face light up. It was like she was in receptive mode. And I, I can't. It's just too much to go into. But I'm telling you, she was ministered to, uh, and she, um, we shared. Uh, I shared some things about my experience. Kim shared some things. And so what I'm saying, the whole purpose to go to church is to be edified, to be encouraged, to be, to be embraced, to be loved. All of those things. The fruit of the spirit. That's exactly what happened. And I saw what Kim teaches and what she's what she talks about in action, that's what it's all about. And sadly, so many people, in fact, I need to tell you, Kim, um, because Kim posted on Facebook her experience. I piggybacked on that, and I just noticed another lady commented, you may want to reach out to her, but there's many people that are experiencing this, and I don't know, maybe Richard will chime in, because even before um, you came on, he was you know, talking about some things similar, I think, but it's 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 prevalent, and it should not be. It's a sad testament of, of the body of Christ. But the beautiful thing is that we don't have to be like that. And what I saw, Kim, is doing exactly what Jesus did. She just fellowshiped. She just spent time with me and with other people. That's what Jesus did. It wasn't always he asked, he spoke, he taught. But he was among the people, and I saw her doing it and demonstrating it for myself. And it was just beautiful. So anyway, praise God. I better shut up.
0: <laughs> you know, one other... I'm sorry? I'll go ahead. So oh, I was going to say, you know, one other thing about Arizona, they have these tree uh, cactus there called Swaro. And I looked out the window um, from my bedroom and I saw these cactus, and the Lord said to me, how do you think they can survive the desert? Because we were, Arizona is the desert. He said, so how do you think they can survive in the desert like they do with so little rain? And we learned that they survive in the desert because they can, their roots go about four feet deep, but they go as wide, as tall as the plant is, and they can suck up enough water in a rainy season to last them an entire year. These swallow cactus weigh three, four, five tons, and ninety five percent of it is water. but oh, they man. store it up and they feed on the inside when the dry season. So I just want to throw that out there. I thought that was phenomenal, but anyway, Richard, were you going ready to say something?
3: Yeah, I, um I, I was talking about this earlier before we started the prey uh. And you you brought something to mind, you know. Iron always sharpens iron, you know. <laughs> Just, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, um, you know, I've had that same experience in going into a church, you know, and uh, and nobody, and I'm a very jovial p- person, you know, and uh, but nobody uh, nobody spoke to me you know, the whole time I was there, and uh, uh, also one of the interesting things to me was uh, the music was so loud it was to the point of ridiculousness you know and and mm-hmm. uh and it was like it was for a certain group of people uh and it didn't really matter if it was offensive to anybody else or it didn't you know it was uh you know we are determined to to play this because it's the latest greatest 40 uh top 40 christian hit. You know, or whatever it was, you know. uh, uh, But it, it, um, but it was, it it was tragic. I mean, because it, it, it had all the, all the elements and stuff like that. But there was no, uh, you know, it just wasn't a comfortable place to be. I mean, uh, I, you know, I felt, I felt really good when I went outside. You know, I mean, when I left, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was the best part of the experience. You know, and. and I've um, I was saying that you know earlier today um, I I know several churches around here that know that have you know many pastors and stuff that I know uh, and uh, there there is none of them that are mm-hmm. standing for anything you know uh, mm-hmm. th- this whole season that we're in this dire warfare that is going on for our nation and. I've never seen such complacency. I mean, it's like they—they—they they, um, they simply will not discuss it. They will not bring truth to their people. They will not bring attention to matters that are absolutely critical. And uh, and I, I just think it's um I, it's just a real tragedy to me. And uh, and something else you brought up about Pentecost that just uh. God showed me this, I, I don't know, year, year and a half ago. He raised uh, Lazarus from the dead just before he went to the cross. It wasn't long after that that, that he, he, you know, he, he had the triumphant walk and Hosanna and all that, and then he, he was crucified. And the day he was crucified, when it said, it is finished, Hundreds of saints came up out of the grave.
1: They mm-hmm. went into
3: the city of Jerusalem. They, they were seen by people all over the place. You know, all these dead saints. You know, and uh, and the, the, their families uh, saw them. Their their business associates their friends. You know, so the the word of the resurrection had gone all through Jerusalem. You know. Not, not, not just Jesus' resurrection, but people everywhere. So when Pentecost came, it was no, you know, it was not a new thing then. You know, the whole city had been exposed to it. And when he told them to go up there and carry until, he, until he, uh, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, he made that invitation to 500 of his disciples but only 120 of them showed up. <clears throat> only, only one out of four. And it puts and, and it you right back to the parable of the sower. The ground that it w- that it was sowed on, only one out of four soils were actually good for, uh, you know. Uh, but these were disciples. 500 of them. And only 120 showed up at Pentecost. Uh, so it, it, it just... I and mean, you're triggering all kinds of things in my mind, and I'll stop oh, here. praise because, God. You know, you know so know. No, that's
0: good. That's yeah. good because it just gives us, you know, opportunities. really just to dive into his work. And, yeah. you know, what, I, you know, one thing you said that the, the people, you know, came up. From the grave, they didn't come down. They came up from yeah, the grave, and yeah, so yeah. I, I I just encourage everyone to pay attention to the direction of things, the position, because Jesus, I'm sorry, the Father has pivoted. Holy, they're all pivoting, and all are giving credence to the Father right now. I mean, oh. it, it's just um, you know the Father and the Holy Spirit all gave deference to Jesus. Jesus gave deference to the Spirit, and now they're giving deference to the Father three days, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're in the day of the Father. And um, I just, I really encourage you guys to really, to take the scriptures I've given and ask God for yourself. Because as I said, there will be people that will live in the day of Pentecost, helping those to come along who are in that aspect of their journey. But God wants to move uh, a significant portion of his people, ultimately all of us, into a habitation. And habitation is about relationship. The father wants a relationship with his kids. And the thing is, you know, I say Passover, Pentecost, and Papa. Passover, Pentecost, and Papa. And so it's about relationship in this hour. It is about relationship. And all of us would do well Really, to about our relationships, beginning with ours, with God, ours if we're married, with our children. Um, It's just real important because
1: when God pivots, we want to pivot with him. Amen? Amy? Amen. Amen. Yes, we're going to definitely look into that. And you're right because everything was about us being joined together in Christ to experience the Father. To experience God so I think
3: Japan.
1: this hasn't been spoken about. It is worth going back and reading and mm-hmm. um, seeing what else is revealed to each of us. Thank you, Kim. This is really good. I want to go ahead and give the replay number. It's six zero five four seven five four nine eight zero, followed by three four one zero 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 pound. And tonight's call number is 237 pounds. Thank you all for joining us. This has been a feast. It's been a feast tonight. Thank the you Feast of
0: Tabernacles. <laughs> That's so, great. So when we, we go celebrate Thanksgiving, guys, read read up on this before Thanksgiving. And may your Thanksgiving be the best of what's yet to come. Amen. Could
3: I ask, you, could I ask yes. you a prayer? Uh yes. I, I am uh leading prayer tomorrow on Susanna Hinn's prayer call and there's some okay. things that the Lord has put on my heart that uh uh I uh, I don't know whether <laughs> they'll <what laughs> be received, but uh um I just uh, like prayer to uh have the discernment of God to, to speak out what he wants me to speak and uh, mm-hmm. to do it with boldness, you know. So uh
0: well, well, Father, I just thank you for my brother, Richard, and we just join together in faith and in love, Father. I pray, God, that even as the living water is in, in Richard, God, and that you've already spoken to him. And, Lord, I thank you and I praise you that you would settle what you've given him. Lord, I Amen. thank you and I praise you that you would put a, a bit in his mouth and a bridle on his tongue that he would even say what you would have him to say, God. That, Lord, that he would speak truth and let you handle the outcomes, Father. Lord, I praise you and I thank you that you are sanctifying your people and making us holy. I thank you for Richard's willingness, God, to speak. And, Lord, we just cover him with love. And, Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over him. And we thank you, Lord, for your angels flanking him, God. In Jesus' name, let your word come up and out of him, God, to the... To your glory and to the benefit of all that hear tomorrow in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, guys, Thank if you can jump you. on that call tomorrow, do so. Um, yes, I'll be on, Richard. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Praise Bless God. You. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Amen. Yes, we will. And I pray over the technology. Father, I just thank you for angels surrounding the phone, the technology that there will be no issues tomorrow when Richard gets on. That his voice would carry clearly through the phone line, Lord, that we can hear what it is you have to say through Richard. In Jesus' name.
3: Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: You, well, praise God. God bless everyone. God bless yes, God bless everyone and. We look forward to hearing you next week. Have a beautiful evening. Good night.
3: Good night.